0: Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. For most of us, the pressures of life can be pretty hard at times, so much so that just getting out of bed to face the day can be a real challenge. But despite the toils of life with its stresses and strains, there is a solution to cope with peace of mind. Today we're going to discuss the biblical principles to follow that are particularly important when we are living through really tough times. So take your Bible and join us now You are not going to want to miss this. On our panel today, we have Harold Harker and Lena Yuan. Welcome, Harold. Welcome, Lena. Thank you. Before we uh, commence our discussion, let us bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the inspiring stories in the Bible that we can study and learn from. And as we have this discussion now, we ask for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our discussion and draw us into the deeper truths in the Bible. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, our discussion today, we're going to be looking at a story that happened roughly 2,900 years ago. We're going to study this story in the, from the Bible and draw out lessons that apply to us today. And that story is in Second Chronicles. So I'm going to read from the King James Version here, Second Chronicles chapter 20, going to be reading verses 1 to 3. And it says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So these are two mighty nations which are coming against the king of Judah. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be Hazontimah, which is in Gedi, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah." So we have a setting here where the king of Judah, the people of Judah, are facing an existential threat. So this is really serious. So Harold, first question to you. What does verse 3 tell us about the character of Jehoshaphat?
1: Well, when the enemy's coming, the first thing that Jehoshaphat does, he goes to the Lord. He takes his problem there and then he gets the whole nation involved in a national fast, turned to God. And uh, it just tells us that Jehoshaphat was a king who had a personal relationship with God.
0: Yes, as it says, so goes the king, so goes the people. (laughs) And in this case, Jehoshaphat was uh, God-fearing. Lena, um, what had Jehoshaphat been doing leading up to this threat from the, uh, these other nations.
2: Okay, we're going to have a look at um, the Second Chronicles, chapter 17, verses from 1 to 3 and 12. 17, verse 1, Then Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat um, because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. Um, He did not seek the Baals. And verse 12, so Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. There's two things that we can um, actually um, have a look at here. The first thing is that um, also the first thing is, you know, the most important. And the King Jehoshaphat was seeking um, God and was walking with God, did not seek any other God. So in other words, he was faithful and obedient to God from the very beginning of his 24 year reign. Secondly, he did not sit back and did not do anything about the threats outside Instead, he prepared and planned um, Judah against the um, invading armies. So he fortified his own army and also strengthened his cities.
0: Okay, so he'd fortified his army, strengthened his cities. What was the result of this uh, this effort and faithfulness, Harold? Uh, well,
1: let me read verse 5 and 10 of chapter 17. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance. And verse 10, and the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. So they did not make war against Jehoshaphat, turning to God, fortify. He's ready and he has peace.
0: Well, in this case, the uh, the Ammonites, Midianites, they didn't bring gifts. So right. They were bringing war. Uh, God allowed this crisis for some reason. Um, what impact did this have on the on the people, Lena? Um, now
2: I'm going to uh, have a read uh, the Second Chronicles 20 verse 4. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So the impact was so great that all the people of Judah and also even people um, outside of Judah uh, responded to the call of the King Jehoshaphat. And, and not only that, um, they are gathered together in the court of the temple. And we can see from verse six to twelve talks about uh, public prayer of Jehoshaphat. Um, and the people uh, claim the promise in the dedication prayer for the temple by the mm-hmm. King Solomon found in the first Kings eight thirty three that if they do this, if they um, face uh, any threat or danger, God will save them. So all the people of Judah uh, put their faith in God for deliverance. I'm going to read another verse, uh, the second Chronicles um, 20, verse 12. Here it says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you.
0: Yeah, that's remarkable, isn't it? You can really see the, the impact or the influence that the king has had on the people, that all the people mm. have, um, have gone to uh, seek the Lord. That takes a lot of faith from a lot of people. So, Harold, this is what they did. What was the outcome?
1: Well, right at that time when the enemy's coming, a man of God, a prophet, comes and talks. And this is what he says. His name was Jahaziel, And let me read it to you in verse 17 and 18. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Imagine being Tile, You don't have to fight. And they accepted the word of the Lord.
0: That's interesting because, you know, they had to put their faith In the words of a person who just spoke. Correct. Um, They've got to put their faith that that man's speaking from God. And uh, that would take a lot of faith if you're Mm -hmm. facing a real death threat. So, Selena, you know, what did Jehoshaphat do?
2: Early next morning, um, without any delay, he assembled his people. But picture this scene. It gets really interesting. He put the Levitical choir in front of the army, not the other way around, to lead on uh, the way. So I'm going to read um, the second chronicles, chapter twenty, verse twenty. Here he says, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Mm. So even here, we can see that he still sends out his army, um, but it makes no um, military sense whatsoever to have the singers in front of the army to lead the people out. Obviously, it demonstrates the faith of the King Jehoshaphat in action.
0: It it demonstrates that they believe that God had already answered the prayer. Yeah. which Which is amazing. There's a lesson right there. Um, Harold, so how did God deal with this enemy? How did he destroy this enemy?
1: Well, the verse says, Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Can you imagine the singers having to go out and face the enemy? They trusted God too. And when they began to sing... God worked on their behalf and the enemy destroyed itself. He sent ambushes against them. You know, the army of Jehoshaphat was used but not to fight. They took three days to just collect all the spoils of the fight. Imagine not fighting but collecting all the goods after it.
0: It's, it's an astonishing um, story of, of deliverance, isn't it, really? You've
1: got to praise God for that.
0: So, look, let's, uh, let's unpack this now and apply this to ourselves today. Right. We have this amazing story. Here's this king of Judah, a faithful to God. He's facing uh, a very serious threat to everybody. Um, they all seek God in prayer and fasting. God speaks to the people through a prophet. They do exactly what they say, the prophet says, and they do it immediately yep. and God delivers. Yep. So Harold and Lena, let's draw some lessons out. What, what are some of the, uh, the lessons that we can apply from this story that we need to think about for ourselves today? This is where the important part is. How does sure. this apply to us today? Sure. So you go first, Lena.
2: Yeah, um, there are two things that we can draw out to apply to us today. The first thing is that the King Jehoshaphat um, was faithful and obedient to God from the very beginning of his reign. Um, To be faithful and obedient to God, we need to know the principles of God and God's um, requirements. So to achieve this, we need to uh, study the Bible or read the Bible. And the second point is that um, the King Jehoshaphat uh, did, did what he could responsibly to prepare and plan for a rainy day. So. We also have to organize ourselves in a crisis as best we can. For example, um, in a financial crisis, and rather than overextending our financial commitments, we have to have some reserves.
0: So we're not to be presumptuous and just live the way we want and then we get into trouble say, God, please save me. We're to uh, be prudent. We're going to be um, careful with how we set ourselves up. Yeah. What about you, Harold? What are the lessons you get from this story?
1: Well, when a crisis comes, go to God first. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And he takes the problem to God. And even though he had fortified cities, even though he'd done all that he could, you go to God first. And this takes faith because your natural instinct rely on what you've got. And he didn't. And the second thing the word of the Lord. This prophet spoke and when he spoke, he was believed. It took faith to believe the word of God, to send out your singers in front of the army and to then take God's promises and thank him for them even before the victories won.
0: That really challenges, doesn't it? (laughs) Because there's promises in the Bible and God says what will happen if we do certain things. Here we have an example. They thank God for answering the prayer before it even happened. That well, is remarkable. God
1: had a promise before you call, I will answer. And he
0: did here. And he did. And this, that's a very powerful lesson for us today is to thank God for what he's about to do, not sort of sit back and wait for what he might do. Assume that he's going to answer that prayer because he says he will. Okay, I want to just stay with the point about um, resources and going to um, uh, God first, trusting our own resources. Um, how strong is the temptation? And staying with you on this one, Harold, how strong is the temptation when, it, when problems arise for us to rely on our own resources and not go to God first?
1: Well, it's a test of faith. And the more things that you have, the greater the temptation, just to trust your own resources. And I want to go to a story of King David. Let me read to you from 1 Chronicles 21, 1 to 3. Now Satan, notice Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, go, number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. And Joab answered, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? You know, David's sin wasn't just in numbering. But to have that number and say, I've got so many, I can win. It was looking at his own things and what he had, his own resources. And so Satan tempts David to trust in those resources. And David knew God had looked after him all his life. But for this time, he went ahead and he counted that he might have the knowledge that he could win.
0: Do you know the amazing thing about that story, Harold, that that I find is that Here's David, a man after God's own heart, who's been led by God since he was a young boy and, you know, great king blessed. He's tempted to do this. And even his commander, that rough and coarse General Joab, who, you know, on his own, that's a story. (laughs) Even he knew. Correct. That we have to trust in God. And David, don't do it. Don't go there. Even he knew that.
1: Notice it's Satan that's tempting us to rely on our own things.
0: And there's a lesson for us today. Say so it doesn't matter how much we are in leadership or whatever, Satan can still get Correct. to us. So this rather difficult story, Lena, what was the outcome?
2: Okay, I'm um, going to have a read. Uh, the first Chronicles 21:14. Here he says, So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell. So look at this. Um, The sin of David resulted in the death of 70,000 men. What a tragic incident that was. Obviously, God did not want Israel to forget about this. And um, God was the actual leader of the nation Israel, that Israel, you know, uh, it was through his power that Israel could be sustained. So that was a great lesson. But, you know, um, through I mean, lesson learned, um, hard way.
0: Okay, so we have to rely on God. Mm -hmm. Harold, this is a challenging thing because we have a temptation to fall back on our own resources and I'm being responsible. I'm going to fall back on my resources. And when all goes bad, then I go to God. How do we balance this um, this dynamic, our faith and trust in God with our preparation Uh, Remember, Jehoshaphat, he prepared in advance. He built his army, built his cities. Right. But he went to God first. How do we balance all this?
1: Well, even though he'd strengthened all the cities and done all that he could, this crisis that was coming was far greater than anything he could prepare for. It was a massive invasion. And his faith in God and prophetic guidance was what kept him there. Now, David, on the other hand, He sinned in his illusion of having the numbers instead of trusting in God. Jeremiah, who is a prophet a bit later, this is what he said. Thus saith the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. If you're putting God first, what you have doesn't matter. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And so there's a curse to those who trust in man or in their own resources. And we need to do everything possible. We need to put God first, come what may, and then you don't resort to your own resources. God will win.
0: Right. Well, let's, let's further unpack um, resources because we think of resources, I guess, in terms of money. Yep. Lena, um, what are some of the re- resources that we have that we may be tempted in, relying upon uh, to get ourselves out of trouble?
2: Uh, these uh, might include uh, things such as intellect, knowledge, um, even education, positions of influence, fame, or even physical uh, beauty, and etc. And trusting in these things without the fear of the Lord mm. to solve all our problems during uh, the difficult times might lead to some of the negative uh, consequences. It's very similar to those who are trusting in their wealth or riches uh, without asking God for help. So I'm going to read uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 2, verse 6 here. Here he says, For the Lord giveth, gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So this verse is telling us that all our gifts, including Mm. material gift and understanding, knowledge and the divine wisdom come from God. So what is more valuable is to us is the divine wisdom more than a material gift. So then why don't we appreciate the divine wisdom more than a material gift?
0: Mm, Yeah, very good point. Very good point. Okay. We've been sort of thinking about, um, you know, people who've got resources. There are people in this world who don't have any resources, Um, you know, extreme poverty, um, isolated, etc. Harold, what would you say to people in that category, how they are to manage in tough times?
1: Well, if you're poor in this world, it can be very difficult in various places because the poor can be persecuted, persecuted, They can be despised or exploited, but God is still the God of the rich and the poor and there is a promise whether you have a lot or nothing. Let me read you what Matthew says. These are the words of Jesus. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith! So whether we have lots or little, if we are trusting God, He says, "I'll provide."
0: Okay, good point. I want to um, just focus now on the fact that for many of us, we're taught that it's responsible to be to work hard and get some money, be financially independent, so we we aren't a burden. I just want to read um, a text here and get your comment on this, if I um, can, Lena. This is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, and it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And here's the point. You cannot serve God and mammon. Selena, can you unpack that one for us?
2: Sure. Um, the Greek word translated mammon refers to riches or wealth. Um, we cannot serve wealth and God at the same time. Sometimes we may not realize the fact that we are trusting in our wealth or riches um, in the times of trouble. And um, the, the first Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, in other words, um, the love of money becomes coveting. And Ephesians five five says, Coveting is idolatry. And Revelation 12, uh, 22, 15 says, idolaters will not be found in the holy city. In other words, they'll be left out. So if we focus our time, our talent, our lives and our efforts to be financially wealthy and rich, then we'll want to have more and more. Then we will be never satisfied. So I'm going to read um, a verse here. Um, Proverbs eleven twenty eight, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage.
0: Okay, so <clears throat> there's certainly good counsel there not to trust because if we trust and focus on wealth, um, we can get covetous desires and covetous takes our focus off God, which is, it says is idolatry. So look, apart from the danger of idolatry, um, Harold, what are some of the other unintended uh, consequences or problems that come from trusting in our wealth?
1: Well, if you're trusting in your wealth, you might lose sleep over how you're going to keep it or how you're going to get more. Or you might thieves might come and want to get some of it. Uh, False friends will come and say, give us a share and or you can just become greedy. But there's a verse that wise man wrote better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures with wealth. You know, that's, um, treas can bring trouble. And so fear God, trust him, was the answer the wise man felt and he was rich too.
0: Yeah, people don't realise the worry and stress that goes with trying to hang on to your wealth once you've got it even. That's, yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to read another verse now. Uh, It's still in, Matthew chapter 6, well known verse, and it's verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Um, Lena, with that particular verse, um, we've got to trust God um, and he'll provide all our needs. What? How, do, how else do we demonstrate our faith in God that he will provide for us?
2: God is... Establish the tithing system, not only to to provide means to the Levites or ministers, but to uh, protect us from being selfish and to encourage us to trust him that he will provide for us. So regardless of our financial situations, first, we need to pay the 10 percent tithe. Um, So I'm going to read Psalms, this 37, uh, 25 here. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. So when we are walking with God, just like the King Jehoshaphat was, and trust that God will provide for us, then all our needs will be met.
0: Amen. Now, Harold, Jesus is soon to return. Um, What impact should all this discussion have on our lifestyle?
1: You can't take your wealth with you. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. Jesus said this, To a man who wanted wealth, God said, You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be? If you put God first, that's the answer.
0: Amen. Look, thank you, Harold. Thank you, Lena, for this discussion. Very interesting. We are indeed living in the last turbulent days before the return of Jesus. And whether we are rich or poor, the devil is out to distract us from two sacred duties, which are to advance God's kingdom on this earth and staying faithful during trials and persecution. God loves us and has promised to look after each one of us. We need to trust Him in His word and focus on doing our sacred duties. Let us remember and be like King Jehoshaphat. When the inevitable problems and trials arise, and they will immediately go to God first in prayer to solve the problem, God is faithful, He will deliver. So thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. All past programmes plus teachers' notes are available on our website 3 abnaustraliaorgau Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au and God bless.
2: You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television.